a podcast where each week we talk about a movie chosen by our guests that reflects their experience as part of a marginalized community. And we hope that our conversations uh, through them, we can explore how pop culture can be a way to learn more about each other and about pressing social issues so we can do better and make the world better in some small way. I'm Benjamin Thevenin. I'm Max Johnson. And our guest today is Natalie King. Uh, Our film today is the 2017 film, A Fantastic Woman. Uh, It's directed by Sebastian Lelio. Um, The film follows uh, our main character, Marina, played by Daniela Vega, um, a waitress and a singer living in Santiago, whose life takes a sudden turn when her um, lover, Orlando, uh, dies unexpectedly. Now, as a transgender woman... um, the process of grief, the aftermath of her lover's death, becomes particularly difficult for Daniela. She deals with um, her partner's uh, ex-wife and uh, adult son, who were openly hostile to her, as well as a range of a, a cast of characters that she encounters throughout the film that um, in in many ways uh, kind of reflects the experience of someone um, struggling with grief by continually being rem- and being continually reminded of her so-called like outsider status within this community. Habla una amiga de Orlando. Yo soy. Sí, sí sé quién es. Lo que pasa es que Orlando se empezó a sentir pésimo. So we're excited to talk about this film in greater depth today. Um, Natalie, uh, first let's just talk about kind of uh, your background and your experience with the film. Great, yeah. So um, I came out as transgender in 2017, around, um, I think it was in the, in the towards the end of the summer or the fall, um, and I started presenting as feminine full-time um at around then so and uh as and then i also uh navigated through a semester uh at byu uh after having come out um so <clears throat> my relationship with this film isn't that i necessarily lived any of the experiences that this main character lived but the um the the way in which this film depicts transphobia uh, as as it is in reality you know what the what tra- the kind of transphobia transgender women experience regularly uh, is depicted I think you know very um, accurately and uh, also I, I also appreciate that it doesn't fetishize you know uh, just straight out explicit violence uh, against trans women um, and I also I just found a lot of strength in the way that um, Marina deals with that transphobia and how she doesn't um, stoop to, you know, these other people's uh, levels, so to speak, in her interactions with them. She always keeps the high ground. Um, And I think that there's so much to be said in that film for how you can draw so much strength from showing kindness, you know, to people that are, um, you know, hurling abuse or... Um, transphobic comments or even, or misgendering you mm-hmm. um, to your face, like any range of that kind of behavior, I think um, the film captures and addresses in a way where it's uh, 
it, I think that a lot of the conversation about trans people in the media revolves around extremes. And so when people can remove themselves from those extreme situations, they uh, feel a sense of relief for not being complicit in potentially harming like trans people around them without them knowing it. And I think that's one of the most important parts about this film is the way the plot's structured. It's such a, a typical day. I mean, it's a, it's a large event in her life that she's dealing with. But each moment is so is presented in such a non-theatrical, non-cinematic way. I mean, it's well shot, obviously, but um, it's very much presented stream of consciousness. And I think that's a really great way to show um, this character being very normal. It's not um, a crazy cinematic feature to be a transgender person. It's just as who she is. And most of the time that fades into the background because you're, the, the majority of the film is about grief. It just happens to be the grief of a transgender person. Yeah, I had that thought today that I'm I am so impressed throughout with Marina's like comfort in herself. You know, like this could uh, as as like I don't know as this issue is like uh, I don't know becoming a greater part of public discourse today. I, I could easily see a film being about a person like transitioning, and this film is not particularly interested in transition. Although, like it's interesting, I read. Uh, uh, something from the director who said, actually, you know, this is a film about transition, about uh, a transition from like having a loved one and losing one's loved one. And I thought that's a really interesting point. Um, rather, though, like it seems like Marina's very comfortable in herself, very like she exhibits this like strength and this confidence that's like really relieving. And um, that in the face of uh, such a variety of kind of like abuses. But um, but you're right, Max, that like it's presented uh in such kind of like a like moment to moment realistic way that it's almost like Marina's not particularly interested in in uh, in her gender. Everyone else just wants to make it about her gender. She's interested in like grieving for a lost loved one. Absolutely, yeah, and 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 that you know really brings highlights all that trans people that I know and I can I, I share is this desire for. Uh, to be able to move through society normally, you know, and to normalize um, just being transgender and being out as a, as, you know, um, there's a lot of anxiety, I think, uh, about passing or not passing. And it's very valid because uh, so much of that comes with a lot of privilege. Mm -hmm. But um, my, my dream is for a society where it doesn't matter if you pass or not, it's just uh, normal to like if it's something that's recognizable but it's still normal uh, and then you can just kind of move through these different systems and and uh, access the same basic human rights like grieving for the loss of a loved one mm -hmm. um, and uh, Marina's focus isn't on changing these people's minds or or engaging in in some kind of debate and owning them, you know, yeah, or something uh -huh. like that. It's it's uh, and the movie's not focused on that either, mm -hmm. because that's uh, it's not what it's about. We're just trying to have normal lives. Yeah, I, I'm like I, the sequence that strikes me the most is her interaction with the ex-wife in the parking garage. Yeah, absolutely. And the ex-wife is like, "Oh, this is just a perversion," and like, I just can't believe, you know, like just saying these kind of terrible things, and Marina almost like just appeases her. Mm -hmm in order to just like go about her life like it's almost like this type of abuse is so common 
that it's she she would she prefers to just I just need to to be left to grieve. So can you uh, like insult me a, another time almost? Well, yeah, and and having had, you know, fortunately very few, but enough to remember, you know, mm-hmm. conversations where I've had similar things said to me, mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, being so. Uh, fresh in my transition, I you know I reacted initially much more emotionally, yeah. and uh, seeing her reaction, it was like gave me so much strength and inspiration myself. Where it's like I don't have to exhaust myself, you know, by engaging in uh, this debate that ultimately both parties know they're not going to like change yeah. the other's mind, yeah. um, and just walk away like letting them think that they like. Because, like, her line, yeah. her, the line that she gave her, I thought was, like... Because what is the line? She, say, she says, like, you're it's, normal or you're... Yeah, or something. it's fine. You're normal, uh-huh. you know? And yeah. she just turns around and walks away. And yeah. it's, like, yeah, I, like, I'm going to put that in my in my toolkit, uh-huh. <laughs> you and know? I also, I really appreciated the way the ex-wife was presented, mm-hmm. where she was saying very harmful, hurtful things. But I didn't feel like the film needed to villainize her or make her seem... I don't know, any worse than she was. I think they presented her with her own internal logic. And I think every character with transphobia did. And I think that's really important to present because I'd say a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions and a lot of fear surrounding trans people. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to have media that successfully discusses trans people, we're going to have to let people see themselves in this movie. I'm sure that a lot of people could see themselves looking at that ex-wife character and just going, well, yeah, I guess maybe at one point or maybe even right now, I still think some of the things that she's saying. Mm-hmm. But then because we're in the a space of empathy for Marina, we're able to identify maybe some of our, our own shortcomings. And I think that's a really good way to get some social progression, not by demonizing, but by coming from a place of understanding on all fronts, mm-hmm. not shying away from the truth of what the psychological realities well, the of humanity the humanity that, yeah. that Marina is, is pursuing is, you know, universal mm-hmm. you know and that's the whole point is that it's it's something that's being withheld uh, from her for her I, her status in that in that community you know but the um, the people around her aren't bad people for not having to have um, those barriers but mm-hmm. they um, and, and I don't think all cis people are bad people for being maybe inherently transphobic but mm-hmm. It, it takes uh, this movie. I think is a positive road to growth. You know, in audiences that might not have ever known that, um, or ever been aware of their privilege. You know, Be- because I mean, I, I have to say that throughout the film, we get we spend so much time with Marina. We empathize with her so much that, like, by the end, I I felt like every interaction with the new character, I was just holding my breath to be like how is this person going to respond? You know, like, Mm. is this person going to, you know, like, and there's a range of kind of perspectives because you have people like, I don't know, the police officer at the hospital at the beginning who's just so dismissive. Mm. And people like the son and his buddies that are openly hostile and, like, assault her, right? Mm -hmm. But then you also have people like Orlando's brother that's, you can tell is sympathetic, but ultimately like passive and doesn't right. really stand up for her. He just you, doesn't really know what to do. Or what to do at all. Yeah. The detective who says like, oh, I've dealt with um, uh, women in your situation for a long time and like kind of like puts this air of empathy, but then also kind of humiliates her in this kind of terrible way through. Yeah. 
uh, like the investigation that she's pursuing. And so you really get a range of different um, uh, responses. And it, it, I mean, it, it was it was a light bulb in my mind that says, like, I, I as a cis, cisgendered male, like, I don't, no one is questioning my gender identity at any point, like, mm-hmm. has ever done that in my life. Mm-hmm. And this is a moment-to-moment, like, reality yeah. that Marina faces and that a whole community of people face. Well, yeah, it's like, I, I, I li- I, I, it makes me happy to hear that, like, um, that's something that the movie does so effectively is has have you in that same sharing, like, as a headspace with a trans woman navigating through society because it's my day-to-day reality when I encounter strangers, you know, on the front runner to and from work, mm-hmm. you know? And most of the time, I am like I, I try if I, you know, keep keep myself open, you know, and and uh, and friendly. I have very pleasant experiences, but uh, oftentimes people, um, again, like permit to permit themselves to uh, not feel like they are being problematic mm-hmm. while they are being very problematic. Yeah, um, even if they are saying so many things that in their mind sound supportive and affirming mm-hmm. are also uh, very, you know, openly condescending. What are some of those things people say? So I think that um, when, uh, you, when you can tell that someone has, like, there's a sequence where she's waiting to talk to her doctor, mm-hmm. you know, and um, the doctor is, uh, you know, expressing his confusion and anxiety about this encounter he's going to have. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's coming from, like, uh, a, a very ignorant, you know, perspective. And when he does start working with her, he puts on, like, he projects, like, this air of um, formality and niceness as he is about to have her stripped, you know, nude and, and take yeah. these photos of her. And, and then... Um, you know, just before he he does this thing that is incredibly traumatizing and violating. You know, he's he compliments her name, yeah. and so there's this context there. You know, but sometimes people will like. Um, I think if I think if you're concerned about saying something that like you think sounds nice, mm-hmm. um, you have to consider: is it coming from a place of affirming my own allyship? Mm-hmm. Am I anxious that other people are going to see me as a, a bigot? Mm-hmm. And is this why I'm saying what I'm saying? Or am I expressing genuine empathy and support because I genuinely care about this person's well-being and want to see them happy as them, as themselves? Yeah. You know, and obviously I don't think the doctor in that situation needed to be like going through that thought process necessarily. Mm-hmm. But um, there's definitely other points, I think, throughout the movie where um, characters will be interacting with her and and. Uh, just make little slights, yeah. you know, and tiny little digs, like, it's, and it's hard to pick up, and she doesn't react to it, you know, and give power to to those things, but um, when she's misgendered, for example, and misgendering is, like, the, the most, um, like, uh, people, when people misgendered me, uh, and what was so difficult was how, was, like, trying to communicate how uh, horrible that kind of thing can be when mm-hmm. you make when you go through that process of coming out to someone yeah. and for them to misgender you afterwards you know like deliberately as in or or, or even or, just ignorantly yeah okay. you know and and uh, and then to have to call them out you know and 
if they react like defensively, mm-hmm. um, then it's then it just becomes an emotional shit show. Yeah. And if uh, and the way you would hope they would react, the way I hope people react is like if if a coworker misgenders me and this happens from time to time, I might just correct them mm-hmm. and they'll say, okay, I'm sorry. And then they move on, yeah. you know, but then there's times where you feel this need to explain like, Oh, I'm, I, I'm so sorry. This is all so new for me. You know, this is also unfamiliar, yeah. you know, and, and you're like rationalizing, mm-hmm. you know, this moment where you did actually do something that was offensive, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I guess that's where, like, if what you're saying is um, not just in general, if it's like a rationalizing and if it's rationalizing behavior that trans people are calling out as, <clears throat> um, as offensive and, and not to be tolerated, mm-hmm. you know, any, uh, I'm sorry. No, 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 that's, no, that's a really that's great point. Great, yeah. And I'm glad you said, I think the, the operative word there is just ignorant mm-hmm. because I don't think it's an excuse, but most people like I didn't, I've never been close with a trans person until my sibling came when I was trans. And at that point, um, I didn't even at the time uh, they came out as non-binary, and it, it was it was a new concept for me completely, and mm-hmm. I had no idea what to do, and and I was completely ignorant, and I still largely am. But you know, I think sure. the thing is just trying to learn and recognizing ignorance and mm-hmm. not being complacent with it is the and best not thing. using it as a crutch. Yeah, not using a crutch. Yeah, I think yeah, I say not not rationalizing, not trying to make excuse excuses for yourself. Um, but yeah, just trying to trying your hardest to learn, I think is a, I mean, that's what I've been doing at least. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I think I, I think if uh, I, I think independent research should be something that should be advocated more as well in these discussions um, because uh, not that this is what this podcast is, but uh, a cliche that I've encountered is people will come to me to like to educate them, mm-hmm. you know, because they they see me as someone that maybe they can trust and interact with. Yeah. And, and uh, but then I also but then it starts to feel like it's a curiosity, mm-hmm. you know, so um, what you can do to like not give that impression to a trans person is is build like a vocabulary. Yeah. You know, and watch some contrapoints on YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. there's plenty of content out there. We just have to reach for it a little bit. Right. One of my questions I had watching this movie that I'm curious to get your take on is. You obviously brought this up as a really good mirror. It's a really good reflection of your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but some guests come on with um, things that are not as uh, as good mirrors, things that don't reflect yeah. their experience. What are some things in other movies or other pieces of media that you feel is a common misportrayal of trans people and the trans experience? Yeah. Um, I, I have a little story about this, too, was uh, the Danish girl. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came out, I was in a relationship with a cis woman. Um, who was uh, supportive of the experimentation, you know, that happened as far as, like, uh, you know, air quotes, Mm cross-dressing and that kind of thing. But it was also, like, there was a lot of anxiety and a lot of privacy around it, Yeah, you know? For you? For for us, you know, she wanted it to be... She wanted you to keep it private. Yeah, like a thing between the two of us type thing. Um, And uh, that, that itself wasn't... I think inherently problematic since it, it kind of came out of nowhere mm-hmm. for most of the people I came out to. So it seemed it was like I had done a very good job at suppressing these feelings since uh, my adolescence, mm-hmm. you know, and not really giving away too many hints I, you know, th- that I've heard subjectively. So, uh, but we started having makeovers, you know, and then 
uh, our thought was to watch the Danish girl, mm-hmm. you know, and there's I I have like several issues I think with the Danish girl. I, I'm and, not familiar but, with that movie. Could you give us like, give a brief um, background of it? Yeah, so I think it came out in like 2014. Okay, uh, and it has uh, the actor. Um, Is it Eddie Redmayne? Yeah, it's Eddie yeah. Redmayne, um, and it's based on a true story about a transgender woman in Denmark who was one of the first women to go through uh, gender reassignment surgery. Mm-hmm. Like, one of those pioneers. And she passed away because of complications resulting from it. Oh, wow, okay. Um, and the Danish girl casted a, a cis man to play a trans woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from the very beginning, you watch this movie with this mindset that being a trans woman means um, changing the pitch of your voice and wearing stockings and putting on makeup mm-hmm. and uh, having a, a like there is gender dysphoria but there's also a um in the real world there's a there's a huge spectrum of dysphoria and and um some people that are transgender discover that they're transgender not because they identify dysphoria but because they identify gender euphoria mm-hmm. and the danish girl perpetuates this idea that trans women have this inherent disgust and uh, urge to, um, you know, mutilate their genitalia, you know, um, but gender reassignment surgery is a life-saving surgery for many trans women, you know, and now that it's much safer um, today, it's, uh, it wasn't as like life-threatening as it was in in her time, but Mm -hmm. the the film, uh, the, the way the film direct its focus to this issue yeah. is by uh, showing Eddie Redmayne's parts on the screen, you know, and showing him, in, you know, taking on, like, acting as a trans woman, um, reenacting, like, I felt like a scene from Silence of the Lambs, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it's like, these are, these are things that trans women do mm-hmm. uh, in their day-to-day lives, but it's also, like, how everyone poops, for example, yeah. you know? It's it's a universal thing, but it's not. It's once you spend so much focus on it in a film, and, and direct your viewers' attention to that specific thing, you're you're not just uh, acknowledging that it's a thing. You're also fetishizing it, yeah. and then you're shifting the public discourse to transgender people's genitalia, which is not which should not be relevant to this discourse in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and and so when I watched this movie with the girl I was dating at the time, uh, it it ended up causing a lot of problems because there were these ideas about what she should expect from me mm-hmm. that were um, misportrayed in the movie. Gotcha. This idea that like this because uh, this girl in the movie, the Danish girl, um, she's in a relationship with a woman that uh, they started when. She was identifying as a cis male. In real life, this woman that she was dating uh, was most likely a lesbian. But in the movie, they portray the relationship where the trans woman betrays her uh, her girlfriend in a way Mm. by pursuing relationships with other men, you know. And and so I I think that um, the Danish girl just like it did several things wrong, you know, was um, casting a cis male. Um, And uh, I. I don't think I know enough about the historical background behind blackface to compare it, you know, to blackface. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I think it, it carries a lot of uh, the same issues and, and discussions that might need to be had about, 
you know, the kind of privilege that comes with being able to uh, portray a cis, uh, to portray a trans woman as a cis male yeah. in a way that is, uh, air quotes, convincing. Mm-hmm. You know? Authentic to that experience. Right. Yeah, because that was something, a strength of a fantastic woman. Is not Absolutely. Not only the casting of Daniela Vega, but then reading that, like, Daniela Vega was actually a... Uh, she was uh, advising the writing of the script like throughout the entire yeah. process, pre-production yeah. process, and eventually, um, Lelio said, "You know, like I think I think this is your movie." You know, and and convinced her who who, who she was already a singer and a performer to to star in the film. Um, but like that grounding in a, her personal experience was very mm-hmm. evident in how like Absolutely. kind of particularly it was per- portrayed on screen. Yeah, great. yeah, and and. Uh... The authenticity of of that performance lends itself so well to viewers mm-hmm. that can watch it, and they can see that like this is not an impersonation. This isn't Jared Leto growing out his hair and putting yeah. on makeup. This mm-hmm. is a, a, an actual trans woman who is telling her story through her craft as an actress, mm-hmm. um, and this film is celebrating that in a way, you know. Yeah, and. Um, and I yeah I think it's incredibly powerful for viewers to see that because it can give it gave me watching this film gave me so much hope mm-hmm. you know that like I can be strong in the face of people misgendering me you know yeah. I don't have to uh, exhaust myself fighting with people mm-hmm. I can keep my dignity you know and and I can take this uh, assurance and the power that comes with it in in owning my identity as a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's one one thing that's powerful about thinking about movies as mirrors is that, I mean, I think that the maybe the go-to thought is what on screen represents my past experiences, like speaks to what I've experienced. But I think this conversation is bringing up another component of this uh, of of thinking about movies as mirrors is what on screen like could I aspire to be like strengthens mm-hmm. and empowers me right in who I am right it still speaks to to my experience it's not asking me to be something else but it's kind of encouraging me to kind of uh, have a confidence in myself yeah. that maybe previous to this exposure to the film I wouldn't have had or something yeah are there any other moments from the film that stand out as like particularly resonant like with your experience like maybe not but I'm just curious well I I think I love the um, you know, spoilers, but I yeah. love the final one of the final sequences where she uh, goes to the spa mm-hmm. um, as herself and goes into the women's room because that's where she, you know, technically belongs. Yeah, and she goes into stealth mode and moves her towel and mm-hmm. puts her hair up and and uh, goes into the men's room. Mm-hmm. And I I thought that was a brilliant finale because. Um, and in a way, she had a superpower, yeah. you know, um, that came from her identity and, and was uh, an avenue for closure, mm-hmm. um, you know. I, I'm curious about that because that, that's how I interpreted the scene going in. I thought, oh, she's uniquely positioned to okay. be able to, like, covertly uh, get this, inf- you know, get, like, get access to Orlando's locker mm-hmm. and where no one else really could, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that it's the locker's empty. Oh yeah, like it confused me because, and I thought like, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Like I felt like quite uncomfortable with, like I understand Marina as a woman throughout the film, and when she then like, like kind of reverts to like male mode or something like that, I like I was like, are you betraying yourself? And mm-hmm. then when it, the locker's empty, is like, is that the 
is that the consequence of having kind of like not like for at least for this moment like sure. n- not been who sh- who she really is like mm. i i think that's an interesting interpretation and maybe one i might need to think more about okay but i um i st- I, I still like I, I might frame that myself and the idea that even if we are making decisions you know about how we move through society to get things that we want mm-hmm. um it's it's not um you can still find closure and not getting exactly what it was that you wanted. And I, and I think that was, I mean, that's ultimately like what I, cause she tried it. Yeah. You know, she showed, she, she took the key and she opened the locker. Mm-hmm. And even if the, even if she found an empty locker, she chased that lead. Yeah. Yeah. And I want her to like find the freaking tickets to that <laughs> vacation and go by herself. Yeah. Bring Diablo, bring the dog. Bring her and the dog go on the vacation. But I, I was like, but I don't yeah. like kind of the... Well, yeah, absolutely, because my waking reality does have an uncertainty to it, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I don't know what my ending would look like, Yeah, you know? But uh, what, gives, what this movie does that gives me strength is it assures me that whatever comes about, I can move. Th- I can move towards it with dignity and grace. Yeah, and uh, and confidence. I like. It's really exciting to have this conversation and just f- feel the power of movies, mm-hmm. like in your experience, mm-hmm. um, to know that like there's there are films being made that can not only kind of like speak to the authenticities of like a, 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 a person in a community's like experience, but also like serve to empower them in such like a tangible way. It's really cool. So I had uh, like uh, we're wrapping up, but I wanted to ask another question. I I am I'm really interested because um, you you chose this film uh, that speaks to your experience, and it's uh, it's a Chilean film. Like it won the Oscar for uh, like best foreign language film the year that it came out. And so like despite obviously the language uh, barrier and like um, some some cultural differences of being set in, um, mm-hmm. in Santiago, uh, you still found uh, this film particularly resonant. Um, I'm first. I'm curious to the listeners if they've had experiences uh, with foreign language films in which they might be uh, seeing a story play out in a different culture in a different country, but still kind of find them uniquely uh, speaking to their experience. And I'm curious, like if Natalie, if you have any thoughts on that, on um, the fact that despite being in a dramatically different context, mm-hmm. like it transcends those kind of cultural and language barriers to like kind of speak to your experience, and if that ever crossed your mind, like that. Well, um, I actually have been to Santiago. Oh, cool. Oh, my cool. grandmother is Chilean. No way. Um, so there's like a personal cultural connection there A as little well. bit. My, That's a double mirror movie. There you <laughs> go. Uh, so I, I got to visit Santiago when I was uh, 13 years old. Um, so there is, and, and my, uh, both of my parents are, um, were born and raised in Europe. So there is like um, also an appreciation, I think, for the frankness that might come in like, this kind of non-American culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that in this particular conversation, that kind of frankness is, uh, is necessary for these characters to have growth. It's like they do ask kind of, uh, they do put themselves in frank situations or, or um, you know, put their foots in their mouths, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. But um, they, they still are, there's still potential and room for, for learning and growth. And it just kind of comes about expressing that need for it maybe that's really cool that component of the culture actually like fits with your experience quite a bit despite kind of the different contexts 
But I guess it's my it's on me that uh, I assumed that you didn't have the connection to Santiago that you do. That's really cool. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming out, Natalie. It was a great movie to watch and a great conversation that came out of it. Tune in next week um, when we will be talking to Sharon Swenson, a professor emeritus of critical studies uh, in regards to film and movies. Um, and she will be talking about Hellboy. So see what part of her identity uh, she sees reflected the, in this the 2004, 2004 film, 2004 right? Not film, the new yeah. one that I guess is getting like pretty bad reviews. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, well, we're talking about the Guillermo del Toro one. If you have listener feedback, uh, email it in to moviesasmirrors at gmail.com. That's moviesasmirrors at gmail.com. Also, we'd like to give a shout-out to Aiden Bay for our musical intro. Thanks, Aiden, for some great music. Okay. Talk to you next week. Bye.